Uh, during the week, one of my scripture classes introduced me to a thing called the Mannequin Challenge. It's gone viral on the web. The Mannequin Challenge is really quite simple. It's where a group of people stand completely still in a pose, like a mannequin, and then someone takes a video of the scene. It's amazing what you can do with a group of people who aren't moving. This morning, our verses speak to us of the amazing thing we can do as a group of people not moving. Uh, What we'll see is that God tells us to stand still together. Not in a mannequin challenge, uh, in the Philippian challenge. Standing together, not moving from the truth of the Lord Jesus. Not drifting away from him, not moving from the hope that we have in him, but joining together in standing firm in Christ. That's the Philippian challenge. But it's not just some trivial fad. Uh, The Philippian challenge has eternal consequences. What we're dealing with this morning will echo on into eternity, either in glory or in terror. So are we up for the Philippian challenge? Let's take a look. Hopefully you can recall from the last few weeks that in verses 1 to 16, Paul has been telling us a lot about himself. Uh, what he thinks of Christ, what he thinks of everything else compared to Christ, how he lives for Christ. Paul has given a lot of information about himself. And what does he want us to do with it all? You know, does he want us to write a book about him, try and turn it into a bestseller? No. Paul has told us so much about himself so that together we'll follow his example. Look at verse 17. We'll pick it up from there. It's where we left it off last week. So verse 17 Paul says, join with others in following my example, brothers, and take note of those who live according to the pattern we gave you. Paul wants us to join together in following his example. Over the last few weeks, we've been thinking quite a bit about being like Paul as he stood firm in Christ. But the new thing that's added here this week is that we're to do it together. As Paul says, join with others in following my example. So it's not just you personally. Make sure you're following Paul's example in the privacy of your own home and in the privacy of your own life. No, join with others in following Paul's example. We're to hook in together in this. A little bit like a soccer coach who's modelling to his 12-year-old team how to play soccer. The coach just doesn't want some of the players to copy them, copy him. He wants them all to do it, and he wants them to do it together. He doesn't want to have 11 players on 11 separate fields all doing their own soccer thing by themselves. No, he wants all 11 players on the same field doing the same things, playing soccer together, together following his example as he models to them how to play. That's what we're to be like, together following Paul's example as he models to us how to stand firm in Christ. And what is Paul's example? How exactly are we to be like Paul? You know, what kinds of things are we talking about? Well, it's the things that we've been looking at over the past uh, past three weeks as we've looked at verses 1 to 16. So hopefully you can remember, here's a very quick summary. It's treasuring Christ like Paul did. As Paul considered everything else as rubbish compared to Jesus, where to consider everything else as rubbish compared to Jesus? As Paul completely gave up 
on trying to make himself right with God, we're to give up on trying to make ourselves right with God. As Paul trusted in Christ to make him righteous, we're to trust in Christ to make us righteous. As Paul wanted to know Christ and to be made like Christ, we're to want to know Christ and to be made like Christ. As Paul pressed on, straining towards the resurrection, we're to press on, straining towards the resurrection. If I was to summarise what we've seen about Paul and his thoughts of Jesus in verses 1 to 16, I'd put it like this. Paul's example is to trust Christ with everything and to treasure Christ above everything. And when we get to chapter 4, verse 1, we'll see that we're to follow in his example so that we'll stand firm in Christ. We're to be like Paul so that together we don't move on from Jesus. It's the Philippian challenge. Standing firm in Christ by trusting Christ and treasuring Christ, just like Paul did. Now, when we get to the end, we're going to think about how we can do this together. But before we get there, Paul has, uh, wants us to know why we would do this. And he's got two reasons, two colossal reasons, why we should follow his example of trusting and treasuring Christ, two big reasons why we're to stand firm in the Lord. And the first is because of what will happen to Christ's enemies. Because they're going to be destroyed. The enemies of Christ will be crushed under the weight of the wrath of God. That's why we're to stand firm in Christ, because you don't want to become an enemy of Christ. Look at it there in verse 18. We're to follow Paul's example, verse 18, for or because, as I've often told you before, And now tell you again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach and their glory is in their shame. Their mind is on earthly things. See, the first reason we're to follow Paul's example is because if you don't, you become one of Christ's enemies and the enemies of Christ will be destroyed. And so join with others in trusting and treasuring Jesus so that you won't be destroyed. This is sobering stuff, isn't it? Nobody likes to talk about the judgment of God. People having to face the fury of the Almighty. We might not like talking about it. God doesn't like doing it. He doesn't take delight in judging his enemies. In fact, God even sent his son, the Lord Jesus, to die on a cross in order to save people from his wrath. And yet people still spurn him. They remain enemies of the cross of Christ, even though it's their only hope of being saved from the judgment of God. The way Paul describes these people at the end of verse 19 suggests that he he has his Jewish opponents particularly in mind here. Uh, When he describes them as their God is their stomach, that could be a reference to the Old Testament food laws. Uh, Their glory is their shame. Their mind is on earthly things. They're just focused on the things of this life, which is what Paul was like back in verses 4 to 6 when he used to boast in his Jewishness, thinking that he was making himself right with God. The, The enemies of the cross of Christ 
are the people who say you don't need Jesus to be saved. You don't need him to be right with God, so ditch him. Forget his cross. You don't need Jesus. But to leave Jesus behind, to spurn his cross, to ignore him and go it alone in life, that's to become an enemy of Christ and his cross and to be headed for the destruction at the hands of God Almighty. Hell is what's waiting for them. Conservatively, there's 36,000 people living like this right here in Dubbo. And it should reduce us to tears. It's why we're holding our carols by twilight in two weeks. It's why we're planning a new church plant over in West Dubbo. Dubbo needs to hear of Christ and his cross so that they can be safe with God. And the coming destruction of the enemies of Christ is a reason for us to join with others in following Paul's example of trusting and treasuring Jesus so that we won't be destroyed. And we're to join together in following Paul's example, not only because of what will happen to Christ's enemies, but also because of what will happen to Christ's people. From verse 20, Paul shifts from the negative to the positive and he gives another big reason why we should stand firm in the Lord and that it's that as Christ's people, we're citizens of heaven. We belong to God. Now look at verse 20. Verse 20, but our citizenship is in heaven. Uh, literally, verse 20 begins exactly the same as verse 18 with that little word for. Uh, so verses 18 and 19 are one reason why to follow Paul's example. Verse 20 is the next reason. For our citizenship is in heaven. This is why we're to follow Paul's example. We're citizens of heaven. Now, for Paul to tell the Philippians that they're citizens of heaven, that would have been a bit confronting for them. Because the city of Philippi had the rare privilege of being a recognised Roman colony, which meant the citizens of Philippi were automatically citizens of Rome. And that was a big deal. It carried many great privileges like tax exemptions, enabled to buy and sell property and the biggie protection under Roman law. It would have been a source of great pride for them. A bit like being an Australian citizen. You know, it carries with it certain privileges, doesn't it? Lots of people would absolutely love to become an Aussie citizen. And lots of Aussies love what it means to be an Aussie. You know, we love our freedoms and our wealth and our security. We take great pride in what our nation is and in what comes to us because of the way it is. But Paul says our citizenship is in heaven. And that blows Aussie citizenship and Roman citizenship out of the water. Because our heavenly citizenship, it carries with it privileges. Like right now, if you're in Christ, you are righteous before God. And we get to call God Dad. And we've been given eternal life. And God is working in us to keep us safe for eternal life. Our heavenly citizenship is a big deal. And not just because of the privileges that are already ours, but because of what's coming in the future. Our citizenship is in heaven. 
and the Lord of heaven, Jesus, he's still in heaven right now, but there's coming a day in the future when the Lord Jesus will come back to earth and he is coming to transform us so that we will be like him to live with him forever. Have a look at verse 20 again. Verse 20. But for our citizenship is in heaven. And we eagerly await a saviour from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. This is what is going to happen to the people of Christ. The Lord Jesus will come from heaven for them. Have you ever waited for someone significant to arrive? I don't know, maybe Bono to finally come out for an awesome U2 concert? Or the Prime Minister? I don't know, you're at a gathering and the Prime Minister was the keynote speaker? Or a surgeon to come out of surgery and hopefully give you good news about the operation that went on for some loved one? Waiting for someone of significance, there's an air of anticipation and the hope of great things. But we're not just waiting for a pop star or a flimsy politician or a doctor. We're waiting for the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 21, he has the power to bring everything under his control. He literally rules over all things for all time. He's not some pansy president. He's not a pathetic prime minister who only wields some power over some things for some time. The Lord Jesus has the power to bring everything under his control. And when you're one of his people, what will happen to you? What will the Lord Jesus do with this power? He will come from heaven for you to save you. As Paul says, we're eagerly awaiting a saviour from there. And what's he going to save us from? Well, back in verse 19, we're going to be saved from the destruction that he's going to hand out to his enemies. But it's more than that. We'll also be saved from these bodies, these natural bodies that are driven by sin, these bodies that are inevitably getting older and sicker and dying. But the Lord Jesus will save us from these bodies of death. As Paul says in verse 21, Christ will transform our lowly bodies so that they'll be like his glorious body. This is why... We're to follow Paul's example of trusting and treasuring Christ so that we stand firm in the Lord because as Christians, we have the hope of the resurrection from the dead. These bodies being raised, these bodies being transformed just to be like Christ's glorious body. Now, how good is that? What a hope we have. This is not just resuscitation. You know, that futile hope of where these shonky bodies are just simply revived to have another go. And this is not the empty hope of reincarnation, where you come back in another life as a cow or a toad or whatever it is, depending on how good or bad you were. It's not even the hope of our souls floating up to heaven, where we become a ghost, where we can put our hands straight through one another. No, this is the hope of the resurrection 
bodily resurrection, to be given new bodies, just like Christ's resurrected body. There's an energy and there's a, a vibrance to this. It is life, real life, eternal, physical life, just like Christ has. He didn't spiritually float back up to heaven. He physically walked out of his grave and he physically returned to his father in heaven to physically live forever, a body transformed to be fit for eternal living. And the promise of God is that he will do the same for all of his people. He will resurrect us from the dead, transform our bodies, bring us into a brand new world, a new creation to live in physically forever true life as it was always meant to be where sin will never spoil things where pain will be no more death will disappear lies flooded with goodness and kindness and love and peace life basking physically in the goodness of God forever why are we following Paul's example why would we want to stand firm in Christ Because the enemies of Christ will be destroyed, but the people of Christ will be saved. That's why we're trusting Christ with everything. And that's why we're treasuring Christ above everything. So that we'll stand firm together in the Lord. Chapter 4, verse 1. Therefore, my brothers, whom you whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, that is how you should stand firm in the Lord, dear friends. Feel the warmth in that verse? My brothers, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, dear friends, Paul really wants them to stand firm in Christ. It's a little bit like a student at school really wanting their friend to get on the SRC or a parent really wanting their child to stop being bullied or a a sport fanatic really wanting their team to win it's that strong desire to see someone else get something good that's Paul that strong desire to see God's people to be saved from destruction and welcomed into eternal life and so he urges the Philippians and us to stand firm in the Lord. It's the Philippian challenge to not move on from Christ. And how we do that is by joining with others in following Paul's example and taking note of those who already are. So let's do that. Let's together trust and treasure Christ. Is that how you would describe yourself? Someone who is trusting and treasuring Christ. If in all honesty your treasuring of Christ has him a bit towards the low end of things that you value, you know, you're not really honestly treasuring Christ all that much, then as Paul says in verse 17, take note of those who are following Paul's example. Don't just look at others who are on fire for Jesus and think, I wish I could be like that. Don't resign yourself 
to being lukewarm towards Jesus. Because in your heart of hearts, you know that the Lord Jesus is worth more than that. By the Spirit of God, you know deep down that Christ, he makes everything else seem as rubbish. So don't just watch others live wholeheartedly for Jesus. Take note of them. Find out from them what makes them tick. Why are they taking Jesus so seriously? What's helping them be so convicted about Christ? Find out from them what's motivating them. How are they putting it into practice and join with them? Nobody's going to look down on you if you come asking these sort of questions. I mean, seriously, in amongst the people of God and someone says, I want help to trust and treasure Christ more. That's a cause for joy and celebration. And so join with others in following Paul's example. We're in this together. And if at this time, right here, right now, you're enjoying some spiritual zeal, you're riding high on the truth of Christ, well, brothers and sisters, you're to do the same. We're all to take note of those who are following Paul's example and to join in with them because we've all got more to learn and we've all got more to give. And so let's share our stories. Let's share the word of Christ with one another. Let's remind each other just how brilliant the Lord Jesus is. Let's talk about how we can press on. Let's be there for each other to help one another, to honour Jesus. Because we're not just wanting to be nice to each other. That's not what church is about. We're here to see that none of us miss out on eternal life. Together, we're to stand firm in the Lord. By trusting Christ with everything and treasuring Christ above everything. Joining with each other in following Paul's example. That, that is how we should stand firm in the Lord. Dear friends, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we pray that by your spirit you would fill us with such conviction of the glory of Christ. Father, we praise you that in him there is salvation. We praise you that in him there's the the sure and certain hope of eternal life, resurrection from the dead. And so, Father, we pray that by your spirit and by your word we would be those people who treasure him far above anything and everyone else. And, Father, we ask that we would do this together. Help us to love one another deeply and to spur each other on, to build each other up so that we will be there on that last great day, spotless and blameless to the last, to the glory and praise of your Son. Amen.